The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. We are in Ephesians 3, uh, starting at verse 14. So uh, you can open that up if you've got a, um, a Bible or a Bible app. Or if you have our app, you just click read. It should pull it up to the text for today, uh, Ephesians 3.14. And if you have none of those things, it'll be up on the, the big Bible up here. Uh, it says this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's God's word for us today. Well, we are uh, in the final week of Advent and uh, for this special season. So that's the, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. And so for this special season, uh, we've been looking at just one chapter in the New Testament in the, in the book of Ephesians. We've just been going through Ephesians chapter 3, right? And so we're kind of going verse by verse, plugging away at this bad boy. And we're going to finish it up on Saturday. Uh, but today, we're really in kind of the, the climax of this chapter. Uh, we're really where, where it sort of reaches this pinnacle. Uh, and, and I know that. Uh, because in seminary, I took a course called hermeneutics, uh, which hermeneutics is a really fancy way of saying how to read the Bible. Uh, and so, so I remember taking this course, and I remember for me, actually, like, the, the hardest section was this section of the course uh, titled Tracing a Pauline Argument. Uh, and, and here's why it's hard. See, Paul is the guy who wrote our text and, uh, and wrote, like, half the New Testament. Uh, whenever he writes something, he's always arguing something. Like He's always trying to prove a point. He's always trying to get some specific message across to the people he's communicating with. And so in this course, like it was my job to say, all right, trace the entire thing. Look, look at the, he says this, so that means this and this and this. And so I had to like trace it all out and kind of diagram that out. And I remember it was really hard for me because like if you think about it, there's a lot going on there. Right? So first of all, if I'm, if I'm trying to do that, I got to go back to Paul. I got to go to his context. And so like, where's he writing from? And then I got to look at who he's originally writing to and say, who's the audience that he's intending to read this? And then I got to factor in, all right, well, what, what sort of Greek rhetoric rules is he following here? And then I say, what sort of literary genre is this particular letter fitting into? Because there's actually multiple genres even within the genre of letters. So what's, what's going on there? And then I got to recognize my own cultural blinders and say, all right, well, what am I importing from my own culture as I read this text? And, and then I got to translate uh, a dead language like Koine Greek into modern-day American English and have to follow the grammatical rules for both of those things. Right? And so it was like really challenging for me learning all this in seminary. I'm like working through it, trying to do it, just kind of doing this at a scholarly level. And I remember like I have this vivid memory in my head of like being up late one night, like trying to do this, trying to trace this Pauline argument. And my roommate was watching a Zach Galifianakis stand-up special on TV. And I was like so mad, right? I was, I was mad at him. First of all, I mean, I love Zach Galifianakis, but I was like, bro, I'm trying to trace a Pauline argument here, you know? I don't got time for the beard. And uh, at any rate, so like, so that's going on, so I'm, I'm getting mad at him, but then I got mad at St. Paul. I was like, Paul, like, why couldn't you write the New Testament to cater it to my own personal experience? You know, why doesn't it just fit my exact cultural moment? Why do I got to do all this work to understand what you're trying to say? The nerve of that guy, right? Didn't he have me in mind? 
But see, what's brilliant about Scripture, and for our purposes today, what's brilliant about Paul's writings in Scripture, is that when he writes, he doesn't write to address felt needs generally, to address felt needs of a, of a specific cultural moment. Not for ours, not for the people that he was writing to. When Paul writes, he's writing these, these truths, and he's making these arguments that transcend time, that transcend culture. And that's what we see in our text, is that he prays this prayer, and it's this prayer that he originally wrote as a prayer for this ancient church in a city called Ephesus. But really what he's doing is praying a prayer for all people everywhere for all time. And so what we're going to see in our text for today is, is, is Paul's prayer for us in this text. There's, there's kind of three parts to it. Is that, first of all, that we'd receive an inner power that would express itself in faith and love and that it would give us the strength to comprehend Christ's love. All right, so that's kind of the outline today. Paul prays for an inner power expressed in faith and love that we'd have strength to comprehend Christ's love. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, inner power. You guys look with me at verses 14 to 16 in our text for today. It says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. All right, so Paul says here, hey, I'm regularly going to the Father. He says, I'm regularly getting down on my hands and knees, praying for the Father of all people, of all nations. Why? Because I want you to be strengthened by the power of his Spirit at work in your inner being. In other words, he's saying, I want you to see that God is good and he's true and he's powerful. But he's saying, I don't just want you to know that. I don't just want you to intellectually ascend to that truth. He's saying here, I want you to experience that. I want you to experience that in your inner being. That's a bold prayer of Paul, right? That he's asking that for all people, all times, all place. It's a bold prayer of Paul, but he's right to ask for it. He's right to ask for it. Uh, there's a story. It's debated about whether or not it's true. It doesn't really matter for our purposes today. Uh, but there's a story about Alexander the Great where uh, he's talking with one of his governors. And one of the governors said to him, you know, hey, my, my daughter's getting married pretty soon and just kind of sharing that with him. And for whatever reason, Alexander the Great decided to say, well, hey, whatever it costs, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for the wedding. Whatever the ceremony is, let me, Alexander the Great, pay for it. So the governor's like, all right. So he goes back to his little province, and, uh, and you know, Alexander said, just send me the bill. And so the governor starts writing up the bill and everything that they want for this wedding, their entire list of supplies, every, everything that they want to have for this wedding. And then the governor hands it to a courier, and the courier goes to take the letter to Alexander the Great. But of course, you know, the courier looks at the letter. Uh, and, and he looks at it, and, and to say that what the guy was asking for was extravagant was an understatement. And the courier looked at this letter, and it was the most glamorous, most expensive, most luxurious wedding he had ever seen. And so the courier got scared. He said, I don't even want to give this letter to Alexander the Great, because I think he's going to kill me for how extreme these guys' demands are. I'm not going to do it. But finally, he's like, all right, well, I guess I will. And so he goes, he gives the letter to Alexander the Great. Alexander looks at it, and he reads through all the demands, the giant sum of money that's being asked of him by this governor. And this smile creeps across his face. And he says, pay it. Pay it. And the courier says, what? He said, why? 
Like, why are you happy about this? Like, like, why are you paying this? And Alexander the Great said, don't you see? Don't you see? By this governor asking for this enormous sum, it's because he believes I am both rich and generous. And this greatly honors me. I see, friends, this is our God. That he is both rich and generous. He's rich and generous, and yet so often we fail to ask of him what he promises to provide. Now, I'm not talking about seeing God as some sort of magic, wish-fulfilling genie or a vending machine or any nonsense like that. What I'm saying is, is he asks us to go to him. He promises to give things to us because he is rich and generous. And what he promises to give us is better than anything we could actually think of. That he promises to give us his spirit at work in the inner power that enables us to face whatever circumstance you might be in. And so Paul says, that's what I'm praying for you. Not for your specific circumstance, but that you'd be strengthened with the power of the spirit to enable any circumstance. To endure anything. And that as you're empowered by the spirit, it's expressed then in faith and love. Look at what he says in verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now this, this set, of, set of verses that we've looked at is pretty profound, actually, because Paul touches on two major themes. He touches on power and love. And if you were to look at all our stories, all of literature, all the poems, all the movies, all the TV shows, almost everything centers around those two things, power and love. Those are the two wheels that move the history of time forward, right? Power, the love of power has laid waste to continents and empires. The power of love has driven weak people to do powerful things and powerful people to do foolish things. And in our text, Paul says, I want you to experience the power of God. Why? So you can live in faith towards Christ and in love towards others. See, the power of God, if it's actually the power of God, it's always expressed in faith towards Christ and in love towards others. And I say all that, and that sounds like a nice sentiment, right? Like, oh, faith towards Christ, and then love, and kumbaya, and that, that's cool. But, but when Paul talks about, like, love towards others, when he's talking about being rooted and grounded in love, this is not some sort of, like, la-di-da love or, or just kind of volunteerism or general do-goodery. Like, he is talking about the love of God that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. Like, this is big. Let me give you an example. Uh, several years ago, uh, an article came out in the, uh, the British newspaper, The Times. It was written by a guy named Matthew Paris. And the article was titled, As an Atheist, I Truly Believe Africa Needs God. As an atheist, I truly believe Africa needs God. Uh, and as the, the title suggests, the author, Matthew Paris, uh, is an atheist uh, who had just returned from Malawi, uh, which is one of the, the poorest and, and most underdeveloped countries in Africa. And he was there to report on a nonprofit uh, that was, was drilling wells. But while he was there, he ended up writing this whole other article because he found his worldview profoundly challenged by what he saw. So let me just share with you a little bit what he wrote. He writes, Now a confirmed atheist, I'm convinced of the enormous contribution that Christian evangelism makes in Africa. Sharply distinct from the work of secular NGOs, government projects, and international aid efforts. 
These alone will not do. Education and training alone will not do. In Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings a spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good. And it's fascinating because in this article, you can actually see he like wrestles with this. Like he's like, I, and he talks about it. He said like when I first kind of saw this going on, he's like I was kind of all right with missionaries being on, on the continent because they did a lot of good, you know, healthcare, education, kind of just social good, that sort of thing. And he's, and he's like, I always thought that was okay. But then they'd talk about Jesus and salvation and all that stuff. And I was always like, wow, why'd they bring that mess into here? I don't want anything to do with that. But here he's like, I don't know what to do. He's like, because I'm seeing it's much deeper than just solving the pragmatic issues. That it's shifting something in these people's hearts. And it's weird. He doesn't know what to do. And so he says, he talks about the people that he worked with on this most recent trip. And he said he could tell the folks that he worked with that were Christians. That their faces were changed. That they operated differently. They were more open. He goes on. He says this. It would suit me to believe that their honesty, diligence, and optimism in their work was unconnected with personal faith. Their work was secular, but surely affected by what they were. What they were was, in turn, influenced by a conception of man's place in the universe that Christianity had taught. Now see, this is pretty amazing. What he's talking about is this power of the Spirit. He doesn't recognize it, wouldn't have language for it. At work in the lives of these people. Is the power of the Spirit of God at work in his people through faith in Christ and in love towards others. It's the kind of power that causes the skeptic to stumble and has the possibility to change the fate of a continent. Now, I'll tell you that story, and that sounds all well and good, right? Like, oh, cool, they did that. That's really neat. But that's a world away, right? Like, literally, like, we are in the suburbs of Austin. Like, okay, what's, what's that got to do with us? What does that even look like for us here? Well, let me just share with you uh, last Sunday, so a week ago for me, what, what happened for us here in this church. Uh, so in the morning, uh, we had worship. It was great. Uh, we had two baptisms last week, which is awesome. Got to welcome two, two new kids into the, the kingdom of God. Uh, we surpassed almost all of our local giving goals two weeks in advance. And so y'all uh, supported uh, homeless street youth in, in our city, and you ended up uh, helping malnourished kids a world away. And then after that, we passed an ambitious budget for 2017, which is great. And then immediately following that, went to visit uh, a man who is, who is dying in our community in, in a nursing home. And uh, when I got there, there were two members of our church that were already there uh, waiting to pray with uh, the family of this man and walk alongside this man. Uh, and so I did that and, and prayed with them. And then as I went to leave the nursing home, uh, in the parking lot, I ran into another family whose kids were showing up at this nursing home because they were going to sing for the residents. And then the grandparents of these kids said, oh, hey, we'll stop by and visit that family too and invest in, in our, our members who are there too and, and pray with them as well. Oh, wow, this is really cool. It's a great day. So I keep going. Day goes on. We got high school youth group that night. And at high school youth group, there was as many adult volunteers looking to invest in our kids as we had kids there. And then while I'm at high school youth group, I get a text from Katie Evans, our director of Acts of Love, our early childhood education center. And, and she, uh, she said, hey, Gabe, uh, I asked this donor to give $1,000. And they said, uh, can we give $5,000 instead? And she said, no. Um, and so, just kidding. <laughs> And, and so that happens. And then literally like two seconds after that, I got another text from a gal in our congregation who was at the Christmas party of a nonprofit that we partner with in the community that works with kids with uh, disabilities. And while she's at this party, 
uh, this guy says, how'd you get connected here? And she says, oh, you know, through, through my church, Ax Lander. And he goes, oh, so you're part of that church that does all the stuff in the community. Like, that was one day. You know what I mean? Like, that's amazing. See, what that is, that's the power of the Spirit of God at work through his people. Living in faith towards Christ and in love towards others. And man, I share like, like one day, but like that's the sort of stuff I want to live for. That's the sort of stuff I want to die for. Isn't that the same for you? Like there's only so much Netflix we can watch. Right? There's only so much stuff we can buy. There's only so much career success we can have. There's only so much comfort we can chase after until we realize that all of life is about living in faith towards Christ and in love towards others. That's what it is. And I say that, and I know we've got friends here today that would say, yeah, that's fine. Good for you guys. High five. But I don't get that, man. I, like, I don't sense that. Like, that's just not part of who I am. That's just not part of my deal. How, how would I even tap into that life? How do you tap into that? You do it when you comprehend the love of Christ. Tap into that sort of life when you comprehend the love of Christ. Look with me at verses 18 to 19. Paul writes that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so Paul says, empowered by the Spirit, in faith towards Christ, rooted and grounded in love, he says, I want you to have strength with all the saints to comprehend the breadth, the length, the height, and depth of the love of Christ. Now, how does that work? How do we actually experience that? How do we experience the love of Christ that somehow surpasses all knowledge? Well, Paul tells us on the front end here. He says, comprehend with all the saints. Comprehend with all the saints. So let me just break that down into two parts. First of all, comprehend. Uh, that word comprehend in the Greek is really, it's a, it's a fun word. It, it means to grasp or to grab hold of. Uh, in, in like all other sort of ancient Greek literature, uh, it's used generally to describe like a wrestling match. Like he comprehended his arm. Like, like that's kind of the idea. It's like, like he grabbed hold of his arm. And, 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 he, and he drew it. Like, so this is the idea is that you grab hold of Christ's love for you, that you draw it into your life, that, that you don't let go of it, that you, that you draw it into who you are. So what does that mean? Well, uh, my, my boy Soren Kierkegaard, you know him, of course, the 18th century Danish philosopher, um, friend to all of us, he, uh, he, uh, he told a parable that, that described this. And it goes like this. He said, hey, imagine that there was like a food that, that everyone just loved. And, and he said, say there's a man who'd never had this food. And he hears everyone talk about this food and says, oh, my gosh, it's just it's the most amazing food. It's, it's so delicious. Like, it's just awesome, awesome, awesome. And the guy's like, cool, I'd love to try it. And so someone says, hey, well, come on over to my house. Uh, we're going to gather around, and we're going we're gonna to eat this dish. And so sure enough, the guy goes to the house, and they sit down, and, 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 and all of a sudden, here comes the dish. The food is here. And everyone looks at it, and they're amazed. And they're just like, oh, my goodness. Look at The food is here. It's so delicious. And then no one eats it. No one touches it. And in fact, other foods brought in, and the people eat that food, all the while talking about how good this food is here in the center. And Kierkegaard says, wouldn't that guy just be completely baffled by that? So what's Kierkegaard's point here? He says, it's, it's one thing to know intellectually that a certain food is tasty. 
It's another thing to actually eat it. It's one thing to know that honey is sweet. It's another thing to actually eat honey. You see, it's one thing to intellectually assent to Christ's love and his love for you. It's another thing to actually experience it. For it to actually happen to you. Kierkegaard's saying those two different things. My other boy, Martin Luther, puts it like this. All my boys are dead. Um, puts it like this. Pray for me. Uh, so it says this. Uh, for faith is not so light or easy a matter as ignorant and inexperienced people fancy, who believe that faith is no more than to have heard the history and to know it. Having heard or read what the gospel tells of Christ, these people fancy that they have fully understood and believed it. You dare not boast of faith, though froth on your tongue or a sound in your ears or a dream in your memory gives witness that you have heard the story of which your heart has neither experienced nor tasted. So I read that and someone says, okay, well, I, I want that. Like I, like, I want my heart to experience that. I want my heart to taste that. I want to know what that's like. How, how do I do that? Here's how. You see what Jesus has done for you. For you. It's all good, Fabi. Hang in there, sister. <laughs> you see what Jesus has done for you. And there's actually a distinction here. See, oftentimes we, we think about what Jesus has done in general, which is fine. We should do that. It's a good thing to do. But, but the way it ends up overwhelming you, the way it ends up in your heart, the way you end up comprehending it, grabbing hold of it, is seeing what he's done for you. So um, I mentioned we, uh, we had some friends uh, walking alongside a family that, that was losing their, their husband and their father and uh, was praying with them. And then I went to leave, and I assumed this couple that was with me was going to leave too. Uh, but but the, the wife of this couple saw that this woman who's losing her husband was, was quite broken up, and she just said, hey, would you like me to stay with you? And through tears, the lady said, yes. And, and so this lady who's part of our church said, all right, I'll stay here. I'll be here for a few hours. And, and I pulled her aside, and I said, hey, listen, you know, it's really nice of you to do, but, you know, you got your own family. you got your own stuff going on. You're a busy lady. She'd already been working that day. I said, like, you don't. You don't, you don't need to do this. And she said, Gabe, yes, I do. I can't leave her alone like this. I'm staying here. I'm with her. I'm with her. Friends, I'll tell you that story. That's the story of Christmas. That's Christmas. That, that Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity from eternity with the Father, would leave the glory and the riches of heaven and be born into this world as a poor little baby to say, I'm with you. I can't leave you like this. Can't be left alone like this. I'm coming for you. I'm sticking with you. And that this Jesus would go to the cross for you to rescue you from sin and death and the devil. And he'd rise again three days later and give you eternal life that you might know the Father both now and forever. He said, I'm with you. I'm with you. Man, can you comprehend that? Like, is that real to you? Can you taste that? Can you see what he's done for you? And some of you maybe say, well, no. Maybe you're having a hard time with that. And that's where actually, if you noticed, Paul says for us, in order to experience the love of Christ, we comprehend with all the saints. With all the saints. Comprehend with all the saints. And what that means is we don't comprehend the love of Christ alone. We do it together. 
with all the saints. And so, so if, you're, if you're, you're saying, man, I'm not comprehending the love of Christ, man, I'm not sure what you're talking about, it's because you're comprehending it alone. You're trying to do it by yourself. You're not doing it with all the saints. And so first of all, let me just say this. If, if regular being a part of a local church uh, just isn't part of your deal and this Sunday just happens to be a one-off for you, uh, let me encourage you to change that if you want to comprehend the love of Christ. If you don't, then I guess that's your choice, right? But if you want to comprehend the love of Christ, let me encourage you to change that. And if you're thinking, yeah, I'm doing that, I got that covered, but I'm not comprehending, I'm not experiencing his love, then take it a step deeper and be a part of a community group. Be a part of a one-to-one mentoring that, that we have here. We'll get you plugged in. If you're thinking, yeah, I'm doing all that, or I don't want to do anything that formal, your programs, church, weirdos, that's fine. Here's the reality, is you need good Christian friends to help you comprehend the love of Christ. Good Christian friends, friends, not acquaintances. You need people you can be real with, that you can be honest with, but that can also point you to Jesus. You need that. Let them minister to you. I was uh, talking with a pastor friend of mine recently, and he's having like just a real hard time now. Uh, full disclosure, we have hard times too. Um, actually, you, if you go to this church, you know that. It's like, oh yeah, Gabe's a mess. Uh, so, um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but uh, at any rate, um, but I was talking with uh, a pastor friend of mine, and, uh, and he's, just, he's going through some depression and some anxiety, and, and things are just, just rough for him. And I said, bro, well, like, who else have you told about this besides me? Who else is kind of walking in this with you? And he said, no one. I was like, I just told you. And I was like, dude, it can't just be me. Like, I'm, I'm too far away. I can't walk with you in this. Like, you got to open up. You got to let that out to some of your friends. You got to share that with your staff. You got to let them minister to you. When you can't comprehend the love of Christ on your own, you need other people pouring that into you. See, we're meant to comprehend the all-surpassing love of Christ with all the saints. So that's my prayer for, for each of you this morning, and especially this Christmas season, that you'd have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of God that is in Christ Jesus that surpasses all knowledge, and that you'd be filled with the fullness of God. Let's talk to him. Lord God, I pray for my friends this morning. I pray that they would comprehend the love of Christ for them. I pray that they'd experience the power of your spirit in their life. I pray that they'd know that Jesus came for them. That yes, he came for the world, but he also came for them as an individual. May that be real to them this day and always. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.